These are the summer days, strung together like beads on a string, the present chill notwithstanding. Today's Father's Day in our culture. It's not on our church calendar, but it is an important day to honor our fathers, our parents who loved us into being, guided us through life. But today is primarily a milestone in our worship, honoring our secondary school graduates alongside the farewells and thanks already done to Hannah, Lorena, Jocelyn, and Ruth. So today is a big noise kind of day. Our lectionary text for today, however, is from 1 Kings 19, in which Elijah hears the famous still small voice of God. Because I think I'm a neurodivergent thinker, uh, whenever I read about the famous still small voice, I think about what historians say was probably the loudest noise in the history of humankind. Stay with me a minute. 108 years ago this summer, World War I broke out. Some of the bloodiest years in human history. I'm thinking in particular of the Battle of Vimy Ridge on Easter Monday, April 9, 1917. Tim Cook, one of Canada's top military historians, says that with the possible exception of the volcanic explosion of Krakatoa in 1883, in all of human history, no human ear has been assaulted by the intensity of sound produced by the artillery barrage that launched Vimy Ridge in a driving storm, 5.30 a.m. on April 9, 1917, in northern France. 938 artillery pieces, hundreds of machine guns barking in unison, shells and bullets flying across the trenches, forming a canopy of red-hot steel above the heads of the advancing troops. The earth reverberated for miles around. The noise could be heard in London, England, across the English Channel. The land was honeycombed with tunnels and dugouts, a moonscape of shell holes, gigantic craters, broken wire, bits of wood, old skulls still poking out of the porridge of gumbo, a mucilage of mud. Not a square yard of no man's land remained unsaturated with the blood of friend or foe. This was the battle where Canada came of age says historian Pierre Burton on that chilly Easter Monday in 1917. The loudest noise on this big noise day. Now we're going back to 1 Kings, where God came to Elijah, the ninth century Hebrew prophet, so vividly when Elijah was in deep trouble. Elijah is often called the second Moses, the greatest of all the prophets, of Israel. The text describes Elijah's profound depression. His thoughts are circling the drain. In one of the most memorable texts of scripture, he lived during the reign of the well-known deliciously wicked biblical villains Ahab and his Phoenician wife Jezebel. It was Jezebel who introduced the worship of Baal into the Jewish kingdom. It was she and Ahab 
who extinguished the worship of Yahweh. We know how Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Two altars were built, one for Baal, one to Yahweh. Baal ignored the repeated cries of his frantic prophets. Yahweh sends down fire from heaven and rain that ends a catastrophic drought. If this event, the most sensational of Elijah's career, had occurred in our time, the internet would be full of reports. Queen Jezebel vowed she would get rid of this annoying prophet of God. Elijah gets wind of her murderous intentions and flees into the wilderness of the Negev desert. He's all alone in that dark cave on Mount Horeb, that is Mount Sinai, the sacred mountain of Yahweh, near the present-day city of Haifa in Israel. Mount Horeb is the very mountain where Elijah's forebear, Moses, had encountered God in the burning bush and where God had given the law to Moses in fire, smoke, and thunder. It seems a suitably overcast setting for a full-scale dark night of the soul experience. I've had enough, Elijah says in a category five complaint in verse four. He's hollow, turned inside out like a paper bag, so low he wants to die. It's enough, take away my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Barrel bottom brokenness, physical depletion. So God leaves Elijah through some short-term psychotherapy in the wilderness. God says, go out and stand on the mountain, for I am about to pass by. Elijah is commanded to be a witness. Then follows an awesome exhibition of God's power. A mighty wind so strong, it splits mountains and breaks rocks in pieces. Then the earthquake, then fire. Then follows one of the most astonishing texts in scripture. The NRSV says, after the fire came a sound of sheer silence. The Jacobean language of our King James Version is especially resonant. The still, small voice. That elegant turn of phrase has long become classic. The Hebrew renders it the sound of gentle quietness or gentle silence. It must have been electrifying, that still, small voice in the quiet of the cave. God was found when Elijah had reached his mortal limit. The writer of Rejoice magazine uh, said this week about that. The meaning of this is shrouded in the mystery of God. I love God's question several times in this text. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are we to make of this question? Is it rhetorical, that is? Is its answer obvious? Is it a scolding? Is Yahweh giving Elijah an opportunity to vent his feelings? Elijah is much more aware of the still small voice than he is of all the elemental power of the earthquake, the wind, the fire. Elijah covers his face in the presence of God and wraps his face in his mantle. What are you doing here, Elijah? When a matter is laid in the presence of God, its true character is often made plain. If we look for God only in the loud, big noise events of life, we may miss
miss the still small voice of God in the quiet sounds of our lives? Where do we discern the sound of gentle quietness after the earthquake, the wind, and the fire? Have we witnessed God passing by? The still small voice of the spirit that measures and marks our lives sets the spaces of our heart on fire. It's so difficult in our noisy, vapid culture, our culture of our phones, our digital drugs, I call them, our weapons of mass distraction, in which we pay continuous partial attention to any number of things. The still small voice, however, calls us to a quiet oasis where we stop for rest and refreshment, find the language, the vocabulary to name our deepest longings. On this celebratory big noise day, may we also listen for the sheer sound of silence, the teaching that begins when our own resourcefulness, our own self-promotion has run dry. May it be so. Amen.